0: Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey. Today is the first of three podcasts about the victim identity. I can't think of any context where the word victim is received as a good or positive thing. This is interesting because so many of us choose to be a victim, As you probably know, I write, teach, and speak on healing issues, all aspects of healing. And considering the entire arena, this one, the victim identity, is both the most pervasive and the one in which we have the most control. So many of the hard things we've endured in our life have been out of our control. Things that happen to us without our consent. But the victim identity is not out of our control. In fact, we're the only one who can control it. We get to choose whether we identify ourselves as a victim or not, whether we live as a victim or not. We are in complete control of those decisions. Yet if I pressed you, you might strongly resist that notion. So if being a victim is such a negative thing, then why are we so adamant about living as one? Well, there are reasons. Let's begin by defining terms. First off, being victimized and living as a victim are two different things. We've all been victimized and we usually have no choice about that. I say usually because we actually can invite victimization. As a woman, I would say the best example of this is choosing to hook up with a man who is bad news, someone who obviously uses women for his benefit and pleasure with little concern for her welfare. Then we're surprised when he breaks our heart. That's a good example of volunteering to be victimized. And it's not just women, of course. Men do it too, choosing the bad girls. I'll come back to this example later, but for now... Let's view victimization as something we have no control over. Here are common examples. Being abandoned by a loved one, such as a parent, spouse, child, or close friend. Losing anything important, such as a business, job, home, financial security, marriage, loved one who dies, criminal acts, such as robbery, being mugged, any type of abuse, Physical, emotional, spiritual, sexual, mental, and the list goes on. There are thousands of ways we are victimized. Being victimized means something painful happened to you as a result of someone else's actions. Being a victim means choosing to make those painful circumstances your new identity. I am a sexual abuse victim. I am an unwanted child, spouse, or friend. I am unlovable. While painful issues will always be part of our story, they do not have to be part of our identity. This may come as a surprise, but what you are and what has happened to you are not related. I know we don't usually see it that way, but they really aren't connected. We may choose to connect them, but we don't have to. I did a podcast on the story of Amnon and Tamar from Second Samuel chapter 13, talking about sexual abuse. Tamar was raped by her brother Amnon. She had no choice in the circumstances that led up to her being raped. Everybody in her family let her down. No one supported her. It was a horrific story, but it didn't have to continue to be that. For the rest of her life, it did because Tamar chose to remain a desolate woman. She chose to let the rape identify her, and she didn't need to make that choice. I'm not saying it should have been easy. I'm not saying it wouldn't have taken time or been a difficult road to recovery. But I am saying she did not have to lock in that identity, a desolate woman, for the rest of her life obviously healing needed to first take place but Jehovah Rapha God our healer was alive and well in the Old Testament just as he is today a victim is someone who's defined by the choices they have made and by the things that have happened to them so part of the victim identity comes from what other people have done to us and part of it comes from our own poor choices We just as easily allow our regretful decisions to define us as what others do to us. We can let our failures and shortcomings become our identity, too. I am a loser. I am a failure. I am inferior. I don't measure up. The truth of the matter is that we aren't any of these things either. Our own poor choices are not connected to our identity. Our identity is something that does not change. How we choose to view ourselves changes, but our identity never changes. Psalm 119.73 says, Your hands have made me and fashioned me. We are not a random blob of tissue that suddenly made an appearance on earth when we were born. We were thoughtfully created by God. Not a single one of us, including you, slipped by without God's creative touch. God is the one who thought of you in his mind and put you together in such a way that would be perfect for the life he has created you to live. That basic package, your gifts and attributes, strengths and weakness, your height, build, color, hair, eyes, gender, likes, dislikes, yep, all of it was by God's design. Since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve, God has been making people. He alone has the power to create something from nothing. He alone created you. Yes, your mother's egg and father's sperm joined together, but that was an act designed by God. I never stop being amazed when I see and hold a newborn baby. It's the same today when I hold a new grandchild as it was when I birthed my own so many years ago. It's simply astonishing to appear, to peer into that precious face and to think just nine months ago, this human did not exist in any form or fashion. And now here they are, perfect, complete, a beautiful child. The birth of a child is always a miracle. And when you were born, it was a miracle too. Psalm 139, 14 to 15 in the NIV says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. God was there in that secret place where your life began. You are a work." Of God. And you've heard that old saying, God don't make no junk. Psalm 139 says, You were wonderfully made. You are an excellent human being. I recently visited my daughter and grandson, who have a chocolate factory in their town. Near the factory is a shop where you can purchase one of their hundreds of varieties of chocolate candies. The store is divided into two parts. In front is the same candy you buy in any grocery or department store. In back, however, is where you will find us, scouring the aisles for the seconds. These candies are either past their prime or not quite as perfect as the candy in the front of the store. In the back are the seconds, meaning they are second best. I think we too easily see ourselves as seconds, not quite as good as the rest. I can easily be tempted to feel a little past my prime these days, now that I'm in my 60s, but in a way, I feel like I'm coming into the most fruitful time of my life. I've traveled some territories with God, lots of them, and I've learned a lot. I have more to give back today than ever. So whether you are still on the upside of life's curve or on the downside, like me, you still have full value. God has no seconds. We're all top quality, made just right. Some of us see ourselves like those chocolates, marked seconds. We don't look as good for whatever reason, a little too small, a little too big or misshapen. We're constantly comparing ourselves to everyone else and coming up short. Sorry, but God doesn't see you that way. He sees you as wonderfully made. No exceptions. 1 Timothy four says, For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. Many use physical beauty as a gauge of self-worth. I was struck by a quote from the beautiful actress Halle Berry. Beauty? Let me tell you something. Being thought of as a beautiful woman has spared me nothing in life, No heartache, no trouble. Love has been difficult. Beauty is essentially meaningless, and it is always transitory. Her honesty is a gift to all of us. Every creature of God is good. Are you a creature of God? Then you're good. And he says nothing is to be refused. Are you rejecting the gift of your life and how God made you? If so, stop rejecting yourself. Instead, be thankful. If this is a lifelong habit of yours, tearing yourself down, it will be a battle to change it. But it is a battle worth fighting. How you view your identity affects your entire life, every relationship, every decision. This is one of Satan's greatest ploys to destroy our life. He constantly speaks lies to us about our perceived defects and shortcomings. Something bad happens to us and he goes to work. See, I told you that you would never amount to anything. I told you no one loved you. I told you that you would never succeed. You're a worthless piece of junk. Stop listening to Satan. Don't let him whisper those things into your mind. They're lies. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 21 in the NIV says, I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? The New King James says it this way, Yet I had planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of an alien vine? God says you are a choice vine, reliable stock, a seed of highest quality. He's saying you are good stuff. You get to choose your perspective about yourself. You can choose to view yourself as good or as bad, but that doesn't change the fact that you are good. That's the truth. Why not view yourself through the truth? It will positively affect your life in every way. So no matter what has happened to you, no matter who has abandoned you, rejected you, betrayed you, abused you, it has not altered the essence of your being, one iota. No human being has the power to alter your identity, and that includes you. You can't do something that's so bad you cease to be a valuable human being. You can call yourself good or bad, pink or purple, or whatever you want. But at the end of the day, at the end of every day, you are good stuff. This is one of my favorite messages to carry into women's prisons. Many of these women have been so beaten down by life. I love going in and speaking the truth about their true beauty and value. I love seeing their chin come up and their eyes begin to lock with mine as their minds scramble to decipher my words that they are lovable, that their life has meaning and purpose. Sure, they've made poor choices. Who of us hasn't? But that has not changed their value as a human being. So seeing myself as a victim is my choice, and it's such a negative thing, then why do I choose it? Well, there's a payoff to being a victim. It's a pitiful payoff, to say the least, but a payoff nonetheless. Some of us get our significance from being a victim. We feel like the only way people will see us and pay attention to us and care about us is if we can get them to feel sorry for us. So we wallow in our woes. We spend our life bringing up all the bad things. Now, if you know anything about me or my ministry, you know I do not promote ignoring our wounds. Just the opposite. I encourage people to deal with their wounds God's way and get free from them. Victims don't choose that because they want to keep their wounds. It gives them a false sense of significance. So they never pursue freedom. They prefer to hang on to their wounds and live as a victim. Self-pity is poison to the abundant life. As long as we are drinking self-pity every day, we will be too sick to ever experience or enjoy the abundant life God has planned for us. And there's another reason people remain victims. They don't have to be responsible for their choices. A strong victim trait is to blame everyone else for their misery. If they stop placing blame on others, then they will have to be responsible for their lives themselves. And that's scary. They'll have to own up to the fact that their life is a mess partially because of their own choices. That they are responsible. Like I said at the beginning, with the man or woman who continually chooses bad girls or bad boys to hook up with, they are not responsible for that woman or man walking out or breaking their heart. But they are responsible for choosing that person in the first place. I work with so many people who struggle with their spouse, and rarely do I hear them take ownership for the fact that they chose that person. It was their choice to marry them. It may feel like you don't have a choice about seeing yourself as a victim, but you really do have a choice. It takes courage to stand against that mentality embrace the truth. But you can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. It can be done and the Lord will certainly help you get there. You just need to decide whether you're willing to go. I invite you to listen to my podcast, Part 2 and 3 of the victim identity as well. All scriptures from the New King James Version, unless otherwise noted. Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.